Hello and thank you so much for tuning into the Education Burrito, podcast that unwraps the everyday challenges in learning and teaching in education, exploring the ins and outs and highs and lows and different pedagogy approaches, enhancing student engagement amongst everything in education. My name is Q Sum, and each episode I'll be joined by special guests as we unwrap the Education Burrito. Hello and welcome to this episode as part of a special podcast series to support the annual Learning and Teaching Symposium organised by the Centre of Education, Teaching and Innovation at the University of Westminster. In this special Summer 2022 series, I'll be chatting with some of the speakers who'll be giving us a flavour of their presentations and for you to have the opportunity to join in the conversations to find out more. So, for this episode, I'm so pleased to be joined by not one, but two amazing psychologists. Here with me today are Dr. Catherine Waddington, a reader in psychology, and Brian Bonaparte, a senior lecturer in social sciences, both at the University of Westminster. Catherine and Brian, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hello there. Great. So for those who are listening today in this kind of a short snippet trailer, do you just want to tell us very briefly about who you are and what's your role at the University of Westminster? Okay, well, I'll start first, if that's okay, Brian. I'm Catherine Waddington. I've been at Westminster since 2013. Um, as, As you said, I'm a reader in psychology. As an academic, I describe myself as a practice based academic. And the work that I do needs to make a difference in people's lives, whatever their lives are. So practice is very, very close to my heart in everything that I do. And this project is a representation of that. It's a very small funded project by the Society for Research in Higher Education. And it's really a great pleasure to be working with some of our undergraduate psychology students, one of whom will join us on the day to talk about this piece of work they're doing with students as co-researchers. Great, wonderful. How about you, Brian? I'm a senior lecturer in psychology. I am a former student here at Westminster as a mature student. So I think I could still remember what it feels like to be sitting in a lecture theatre and listening and worrying about deadlines and are you going to get a good grade and so forth? Are you connecting well with your lecturers? All of the, the nuances that keep you up at night, but also can help can motivate you to do well. And so that's why this project still, it resonates with me, because I think it is essential to have a better understanding of the dynamic around compassion in relation to, to pedagogy. Um, So for us, this is almost a a labour of love, I think, because we enjoy being academics. I think it is actually a privilege to be in this particular position. So we're taking it quite, quite seriously of what we're trying to achieve here, what we're trying to develop. And this could be a framework, not just within Westminster, but broadened out to universities nationally, if not internationally. That's wonderful. And it's great to hear that you stayed on, Brian, uh, from being a student to now being part of the teaching team and research team as well. Yeah, I tried to escape, but (laughs) they won't let me. Well, both of you mentioned that you'll be presenting upcoming learning and teaching symposium and you'll be sharing along the lines of co-creating best practice guidelines and tools with students to support development of compassionate pedagogical practice. So maybe just to tell us a bit of just an outline or flavour of what this presentation will be about. Okay, well, we'll start off by offering a definition, our working definition of what we think compassionate pedagogy is which I'll read out for you now. Compassionate pedagogy is about ensuring that teaching 
and interactions with students and colleagues are based on kindness, followed through by actions and practices that promote well-being. And the important thing to say there is we're being quite critical of current definitions and conceptualization of compassion, which are right in some circumstances, but talk about suffering. Um, compassion is often seen as about recognizing and noticing suffering, feeling empathy, and then doing something about it, the action. But we want to question the bit whether suffering is actually the right word to uh, use to describe higher education experience. And in conversations that we've been having along the way, for some students, that may well be the case, but in other students, not. So we want to question quite critically the concept of compassion. And I'll let Brian come in in a minute, because one of the things that I think is really important, I'm part of a group that's called Compassion in Politics, and it's very easy for politicians and speechwriters and others to do what I call a bolt-on. Oh, let's have a side order of compassion with that, and it'll make everything fine. So you have to have that real critical approach. Critical thinking should be run through everything that everybody in universities, you know, academics and researchers and students do. So we need a critical perspective. I'll maybe hand over to Brian if he wants to um, embellish that. Yeah, I think that the terminology right now is, is very important. We're in a time where it seems as though as a society we are weaponizing words, elements of our vocabulary, that are well-meaning. So I think woke is probably an ideal term that has been weaponized as a pejorative. So we want to try and avoid that particular mistake with, with the term compassion, compassionate pedagogue in this particular context. I mean, compassionate pedagogue is a core strategic value within the University of Westminster. I'm sure it is within many universities. And so therefore, it's important for us to get across what we mean when we talk about compassion. And if you look up the dictionary, stereotypical dictionary, as Catherine says, it talks about suffering. And in our experience, that's not the standpoint generally that we think students or even staff want to be able to come from. We want to be able to use this type of communication as empowering more than debilitating. So it is important for us to be able to get across the what we mean by this going through a more of a, a fuller explanation and demonstrating, breaking down what we mean by compassionate pedagogy, that it's ensuring teaching and interactions with students and colleagues are based on kindness and it's based on following through with actions and practices that promote well-being, help to raise perspectives and views of students and staff rather than focusing on just sort of the negative making allowances on the difficulties and the challenges that will exist that always exist within all levels of education but actually using compassion as a point of view as, as something to be empowering rather than something to be embarrassed by and if I can maybe add a little taster, as a psychologist, I've worked for a number of years from what's called a systems psychodynamic perspective. And when I've written about compassion, I've written about the fact that we need to recognise that organisations and universities have a dark side. It isn't always relentlessly positive. And if you think about to suffer, the sufferer is a synonym for victim. And in the psychodynamic world, it's very easy to get sucked into without even realising what's called the drama triangle, victim, persecutor, rescuer. And it's really easy if students are cast in the role of victim 
then they feel there may be persecutory systems and then educators come in but not to facilitate or enable but to rescue so here's a little taster we might we might say a little bit more about the drama triangle but we'll also say a little bit more in a creative way about how we're using arts-based practices and creative methods so there'll be again he's a bit of a trailer there'll be maybe some Bob Dylan in there also there might be some literature and poetry in there and there might be some reference to movies because this is a trailer for what might be our movie and that's clearly very much Brian's world with psychology at the movies. That sounds amazing and I think you've touched a few important points and aspects of not just what students and staff need to, for example, you know, just teach and research, but it's the compassionate side, it's being the human side when you're at university. You don't come to university just for the degree. Yes, we do, but it's more than that. And I see this in our conversation and I hope to be at your session, but you're one really touched upon the experience at university. You know, being kind, having the compassion to talk to one another and having those conversations to unwrap those issues and challenges that we face in higher education. And I think that's very important for you and for our colleagues to have those conversations and those honest conversations as well. One thing you've mentioned, uh, or both of you mentioned earlier on, is that you're working with students for this project. Could you just say a bit about their role and how you've worked with that student? Yeah. So we've got seven undergraduate students across representing all of our courses and uh, from level four, five and six from psychology, psychology and counselling, forensic psychology and also from cognitive and clinical neuroscience. So we've got a, a range of student co-researchers who we put out a call for expressions of interest and they came forward, they volunteered. Uh, it's all been through the ethics committee, so it's all above board from the point of view of voluntary participation. But what's really important is we're working with an approach called the thinking environment, which comes from the field of coaching but has much wider application, to work with students as equal thinking partners which isn't always easy, but it's really important that students feel able to and supported to challenge us in relation to some of the assumptions that we have and for us to be able to constructively work with students and challenge our own thinking. So we'll also probably, little another little taster coming up, maybe give a very short kind of mini taster session of what that looks like, which is, you know, doing things that are called thinking pairs. That sounds good. Anything to add about that, Brian? Yes, it, it's difficult to sort of briefly talk about it without going into a bit more detail to demonstrate how powerful the thinking environment is, because we just take thinking for granted. Either we're doing it or we're not doing it, or we're doing it, but we're not aware that we're doing it. And yet, if you create the right environment, it allows such a intense degree of understanding of all parties involved. And, and that is so essential, especially when it comes to the environment of education, that invariably you have this dynamic where it's often the lecturer, the, the educator is considered as the sage on the stage, and, and the student is someone that just is supposed to sit there and just listen and, and take on board the information and not be part of the educational process, just the receiver of the information. And what we're trying to do is to demonstrate that employing something like the thinking environment, everyone is equal. And Catherine has emphasized that the students that we're working with here are co-creators. In other words, we, are, we come, all come to the table equal. And we all are there to be able to contribute equally to the overall project. And to be able to facilitate that, everyone's thinking has to be acknowledged as equal of equal value. 
That's brilliant and it's wonderful that you were able to not only work with one student but a whole group of students in psychology as well. So maybe to wrap this episode up and to highlight the importance of your presentation, what do you want delegates or colleagues to get out of from your session in the upcoming symposium? I would like them to go away with a more critical perspective and for colleagues particularly as compassion is one of our core values and a big theme for this particular symposium is to have the courage because being compassionate takes courage to say either that was a really compassionate act or I really liked the tone of your email I thought that was so to give positive feedback but also to have the courage to say do you know what that didn't feel kind when you behaved or when you said in that particular way it didn't feel very compassionate to me at all. So for students to be able to say that to us and for us to be able to say that to each other and to colleagues, because there are still some compassion gaps in our universities. And for me, I think one of the key things that I'd like everyone to walk away with is an extra helping of self-compassion because being compassionate starts with self-compassion. So it's about sometimes not being so hard on oneself and having an extra degree perhaps of self-reflection on how one comes to a situation. And the more we can employ self-compassion, the easier it then becomes for us to employ compassionate pedagogy within the way that we teach, the way that we work with students and work with ourselves, with our fellow colleagues as well. Because everything, there is a knock-on effect all round. And so therefore, it's important to come from a position of just reflecting an extra moment sometimes. And I hope that that's one of the things that people will be able to come away from, is that seeing compassion through the student's lens will allow us to be more compassionate towards students, but it will also allow us to be more compassionate to ourselves. That is something essential that we all too often just neglect and ignore and think that perhaps is that a sign of weakness when in actual fact it is actually a sign of strength to be more self-compassionate. Well that's amazing but I'm afraid that's all we have time for for today's episode. Catherine and Brian if people want to contact you to have more conversations how can they do so? We will certainly put our emails when we do our presentation but we're both we both work at the University of Westminster so you'll be able to search for us on the internal email. Yes, apparently there's only one of one Catherine Waddington and there's only one Brian Bonaparte so <laughs> if you put us in the directory you should easily find us. Yep. Well, I just want to say a big thank you to you again, Dr. Catherine Waddington and Brian Bonaparte for joining us and sharing your work on co-creating best practice guidelines and tools with students to support the development of compassionate pedagogical practice. And for you listeners out there, do come back next time as I have another conversation with another speaker from this year's Learning and Teaching Symposium. Catherine and Brian, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time and tuning into the Education Burrito. Make sure to hit the subscribe button on whichever platform you're listening on and be sure to like it and share it on social media, tagging us at the hashtag the Education Burrito. If you have enjoyed our chat today and fancy coming onto the show, no matter as a student or member of staff, do drop us a message as we unwrap learning and teaching in the Education Burrito.